is Thursday, April 23rd, 2020, and you are tuned into Dirt Tracker Daily. I'm Justin Fiedler. Uh, I've got another interview for you on the show today, but before we jump into that, let's cover off on a couple of news items for today. Uh, tonight's USAC Thunder Relived guest Dave Peprak announced this week that after a 37-year hiatus, he's returning to USAC Silver Crown competition this season. He last competed in a Silver Crown event in 1983, but is an active participant right now on the local Indiana Sprint Car tracks. He also has a, a, a USAC Sprint Car win on his resume at Eldora Speedway. He plans to race in select dirt races this season, including Eldora, Terre Haute, and the Dirt Miles. You can see his interview tonight at 8 p.m. Eastern on Flow Racing. Uh, the USAC iRacing Challenge is back tonight on Flow Racing at 9 p.m. Eastern following USAC Thunder Relived. Uh, it looks like the original schedule was changed a little bit. This was actually supposed to be the last week on the original schedule, but another week has been added. Uh, tonight, we'll see the drivers take on Eldora Speedway in sprint cars, and next week, they'll race Eldora in midgets. It's a similar entry list as we've seen in previous weeks for tonight's show, and the winner will take home $500. We'll recap the action on tomorrow's show. Uh, it was announced yesterday that Durkar is adding weekly esports competition to its schedule for the upcoming weeks. Uh, the races are open to anyone with a $20 entry fee. Events will rotate tracks and divisions and include street stocks, pro late models, and UMP modifieds. The races held on iRacing will be tournament style and include a $1,000 purse back through the field. Uh, you can find more details, the schedule, things like that at dirtcar.com slash esports. Um, and you can also sign up there if you'd like to participate. Uh, okay, so today on the show, I've got Kevin Rumley of Longhorn Chassis and Bill Stein Shocks. Uh, he was the crew chief and car owner for Jonathan Davenport when they won the Lucas Oil Late Model Dirt Series Championship in 2015. Uh, his resume includes basically winning all of the biggest crown jewel dirt late model races there is. Um, he's on today to kind of chat about the evolution of late model setups and how far the sport has kind of come in the last 10 or 15 years. Um, I, I talk about it kind of early in the interview with him, but you know, if, if you've watched any of the uh, any of kind of the throwback shows here on some of the streaming platforms lately with the late models, uh, you know, or if you've been a late model fan for for any number of time or any number of years, you, you've seen how the cars have changed, you know, and, and changed quite dramatically here uh, in the last 10 or 15 years or so, and just you know the way they drive and and, and the way they you know the way they look and things like that on on the racetrack. So uh, I kind of want to get an idea of what's different and and when they started learning things. So here is my conversation with. With Kevin Rumley. Joining us on the phone now is Kevin Rumley. Kevin is uh, now, and let me make sure I get this right because your resume is is fairly sizable. But uh, championship winning crew chief and team owner, um, and you're a motorsports engineer for both Bilstein Shocks and for Longhorn Chassis. Have I, did I leave anything out right there? Uh, no, sir. That sums it up. So give me a little bit idea, just kind of right off the top of, of, of your background. I, I know you, you and your dad have been involved in, in racing for a long time, but, um, you know, you're, you're an engineer, you know, give me an idea kind of where you went to school and, and kind of what brought you into motorsports. Yeah, well, my, my father has fielded cars since I believe 1955, uh, and was very successful, um, which I grew up in the race shop. So, so it was naturally, I wanted to, uh, get an education that would uh allow me to be a better racer um so i chose to go in unc charlotte i uh, got my engineering degree um with a concentration in motorsports uh that led to uh greater things as far as a racing it really it really helped um really helped me find answers uh exposed me to a lot of smart people um and of course i was like a sponge and, and kind of looking at your current jobs between between Bill Stein and, and Longhorn, you know, give me an idea kind of what you do for those for those two places on a on a daily basis. Yeah, so so I'm a contract engineer for both of the companies, 
And uh, Longhorn is a strategic customer of Bill Stein. Uh, and Tim McCready is the house car driver for both Bill Stein and Longhorn chassis. So everything everything works together good. Uh, I have a uh, I have an R&D shop in Lexington, North Carolina, D&E Marine, and I'm able to take the cars down there, do some pull-down work, uh, shock dynos, spring smashers, um, alignment tools, um, anything that I may want to uh, do development on race cars. Plus, we have uh, we have chassis sims, uh, CAD packages, and simulation packages um, for everything. So everything works together really well. You know, kind of since we're off right now from racing, while you know while we kind of wait to get started again, we've been watching you know a lot of older races and things like that, and and you know the different kind of. Uh, streaming platforms have been showing a lot of different things. And, and one of the things that really stands out to me is just how different the attitude of the race cars, you know, was 10 or 15 years ago versus kind of where we are now. Um, do you have kind of a, an idea in your head or, or thought in your head about kind of when that started to change and, and maybe why it started to change? Well, yes, everything, everything changed the, uh, the first time that we actually measured what was going on and put data on a car. Um, we could see inherent problems um, with what was going on with their late models at the time. Uh, there was there was no rules against running um, data acquisition, so so we ran it quite frequently. Ran it in a lot of races. Uh, we didn't we didn't really know what we were looking at yet, but we just recorded, um, and eventually we figured out um, the trends, where we needed to go, where we were at then. Uh, then we could go develop a strategy, and then go back and and measure the results um, with the on-track testing with data. So it, everything tested um, changed the first time we put data on a car. And how quickly before, you, you know, a couple of guys maybe start putting data on the car, how quickly then does does everybody kind of jump in on that and saying like, well, those couple of guys are doing it now, we probably need to do it too. Yeah, well, we kind of, at the time, we kind of flew under the radar because with my father's team, we, we raced part-time. Uh, with Steve Shaver at the time, and we would race about 20, 25 races a year, and we would compete, um, very competitive, but we kind of flew under the radar, and there was no rules against it, um, and it worked out really good. We we continued when Jonathan Davenport started driving for us, and we started to develop these Longhorn chassis further. Um, we, we tested and practiced a lot in race conditions um, with the data, and then... Um, everybody start started to catch on to what we were doing and um made it illegal for everyone so they made it illegal when we had all the data so it worked out very well for us <laughs> it, it, it just so you know kind of give people an idea what i'm talking about you know 10 or 15 years ago the cars were kind of much flatter around the racetrack you know noses way up in the air and, and now when you watch a car go around you know the noses are almost pinned to the ground the tails are way up in the air you know you kind of got that left rear droop is is you know the kind of movement that way is is that more about mechanical grip is that more about aero grip or, or is it some combination of both well there was a big change too when when the the first group to put a car in the one tunnel um put a dirt late model in the one tunnels and understand how much side force and how much down force we actually could achieve with the bodies as large as they as they have become um that changed the game also like 15 years ago, before we had that knowledge, uh, we developed our own laws of physics for dirt cars. So, uh, I mean, in any vehicle in the world, if you soften the right front spring, it would make the car looser. 
But in a dirt lake model 10 or 15 years ago, everyone started softening the right front springs, um, which should make the mechanical grip a lot looser. But what it did do was increase the side force by hundreds of pounds and the down force by hundreds of pounds. So it gave it grip. But not knowing how much how much we were gaining body-wise and aero-wise, uh, everyone kind of developed their own laws of physics for these cars. But they, in actuality, work just like any other vehicle you drive down the road or, or handling or F1 car. Um, so, so it was quite interesting um, finding the truth. Uh, there was big gains. Uh, once, once some of the bump stop technology and shock technology started to trickle down from uh, the Cup Series, um, we had solutions to our problems. Things started to change. Um, but yeah, but so, so now we, now the trend is getting your aero platform, getting your body in position, uh, and having mechanical grip as well. Um, and that's the challenge. And that's the last few years. That's what we've achieved, uh, to gain speed. I'm curious too about, you know, I, I, one of the things that, that, you know, you kind of notice about a dirt late model is just how much movement there is in the rear end of the car. And, and, you know, when you go off in the corner and things like that, and, and, you know, the, this kind of droop rule that the water outlaws have come out with this year, that seems to kind of be a hot topic, but, um, give me an idea about what that kind of means, you know, for the grip. I, I, I saw somewhere that, you know, if the track's a little heavier, maybe less droop is, is a little, is a little more, you know, in line with what you want. And then if it, you know, once it goes slick, then you want a little more droop, but you know, is, is that just moving in the rear end, just straight for, you know, kind of drive off through the corner and, and down the straightaways? Yeah, well, it's really, it's not a droop roll. We actually add more droop, um, with, with the current rules and world out late models it's really a deck height rule um with a lot of variables so it's going to be interesting how that plays out um how how they police that and can measure it accurately but but basically we just get the same group so we we all had to lower our decks maybe a couple of inches but um we'll be back to where we were um within no time so just like with any rule um there was a time where i got upset with the rules but but now i realize that any change is is to the benefit or of teams with with more resources so um like i said get, get, give us a few months and we'll be exactly back to where we were um deck height wise and and droop wise as you as you kind of go to different racetracks i'm kind of curious you know you, you talked a little bit about you know kind of some of the aerodynamics and stuff there but um are you making changes to to, to the bodies you know when you go to different racetracks or you know do you, if you're at a more high speed track are you are you know are you making you know, maybe spoiler changes or things like that. And then, you know, is it maybe not as important when you're at a right. small track or are you, are you just trying to get as much as you can everywhere? Uh, we try to get as much as we can everywhere. Now, then there might be times where a track is really, really fast and, and really tight in. And we might, we might take a little bit of rear downforce away from the right rear, but, but I mean, we're so, um, our engines are so powerful now that, um, we can slip the tires about whenever we want to. So we want maximum downforce everywhere kind of along with that you know when guys are making contact on the racetrack or you know you've got to cut that right recorder leaned up against the fence it, it, how, how much does that hurt you through the course of a race do you you know do you try to tell your drivers hey maybe don't do that well the right rear quarter panel is like so so you have the, the the door area is the main driver for side force so the right rear quarter panel is a little bit of a driver but not not as much as the as the door area and and the left area um, that rises up in body roll. 
And as you guys kind of move forward, you know, I'll kind of let you go on this, but I'm kind of curious about some of the tools that you use and, and, you know, being an engineer, how, how much do you rely on just, you know, what you can kind of get off the race car and, and the feedback from the driver? And then how much do you rely on maybe like, you know, CAD software and, and some different things like that, where you can actually, you know, maybe get some more data, you know, and maybe get some kind of more numbers out of things. Yeah. Well, like, so in race conditions, your driver is the only feedback um, you have and you have some visual feedbacks as well. Um, trying to get the body posture right. Um, we use a lot of kinematic uh, studies uh, we CAD, uh, and we kind of get directions to go, but, but there's nothing um, nothing replaces hard work, testing, and, uh, and good chemistry and communication. That was my conversation with Kevin Rumley. Hope everybody learned a little something there. I know I certainly did and uh, appreciate him taking some time out of his busy day to come uh, on the show and talk to us about uh, about late model setups and things like that. So uh, that's the show for today. Hope everybody uh, has a good Thursday. You can find Dirt Tracker Daily on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or where you get podcasts. Please subscribe, leave me a review, and tell your friends. You can also watch the show on YouTube and Facebook. You can email the show at info at dirttracker.com, and you can follow along at facebook.com slash dirttracker, twitter.com slash tracker and the website dirttracker.com you can follow me on twitter at justin underscore fiedler don't forget to sign up for the dirt tracker weekly newsletter that is live on the site right now Uh, hope everybody has a good day we will see you tomorrow on dirt tracker daily